Welcome to the Aurora Cornerstone Podcast. Thank you for tuning in. We hope today's message is an encouragement to you. I got playing around with a few words this week in regard to, uh, you know, kind of the synonyms, bit of a puzzle. We've been, our series has been on the one word, the word is what? Joy. It's been on joy. It's from Philippians. And invite you, by the way, if you want to turn the last chapter. We're going to do the last of the Philippians, so you can turn there and start to get ready. But I start to mess around with the words. And uh, so I've got a question for you. How many here would you consider yourself pretty decent spellers? You're pretty decent spellers. Okay, not many. All right. You're all going to get this one, though. Spell the word joy out loud. J? Okay. Now let's go a little bit bigger. Spell the word worry. Go. Now what two letters do the word joy and worry have in common? You see, if you take the O-Y out of worry and put capital J, you have joy. I thought that was pretty good. Okay. So you take the O-Y out of worry, the O-Y, you know, O-Y, O-Y, Y, 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 right? Take the O-Y out and put big J in, you've got joy. You might not remember anything about my series, but you'll remember that little part right there, right? Um, there are a lot of stealers of joy today, I've discovered. There's a lot of stealers of joy. I'm not referring to people. I'm referring to circumstances. I'm referring to my own brain, my own anxieties. I'm referring to uh, thinking back in the past and all that. There's all kinds of stealers of joy. Worry is one of the capital stealers of joy, is worrying, worrying. And today I want to talk about that joy removes the worry. Joy removes. I didn't say the removal of worry gives you joy. Joy, see, joy is more than just um, a feeling. Joy is a position. And joy, when you get in the position of joy, not positive thinking, big difference, position of joy, worry, can't find anything to hang on to. So um, uh, I, I went into our English word joy, and we actually get the English word joy from the German word worgen. Worgen, which means to strangle, to choke. That's what, joy, that's what worry is, to strangle, to choke. I don't want that around me too much, to strangle and to choke. And God has a sure solution to our problem of joylessness, and it's found in Philippians chapter 4. Um, if you got it there in front of you, we're just going to jump down to verse 4. I'm going to read a few verses here, so uh, actually, can we just do that together? You have it up in front of you, if you have it in your Bibles. Let's read this together. One voice, everyone. Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again. Rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Father, we 
submit our will to your will this morning and ask that you would take us into your presence in a way in which we will discover something that is definitive of you, which is joy. A joy that the world can't take from us. A joy that no person, no thought, no physical condition can steal or rob. Lord, show us. Better yet, help us experience what it is you want us to experience this morning, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, this few verses here in chapter 4, verse 4, 5, 6, and 7 that we just read can be really summed up in six words. Worry about nothing, pray about everything. If you had to sum it up, you can put that in the margin. Worry about nothing, pray about everything. So when you come to that next time, you don't even have to read the whole thing. You can just do six words. Worry about nothing, pray about everything. We need to give our worries to God. And if you do so, you will discover that you will possess a lot more time than you presently do right now. If you and I give our worries in greater measure to God, you will discover you have a lot more time in life. Uh, where worry once was. Let me, let me share three key words, 4, 5, and verse 7. Verse 4, says in verse 4, talks about rejoice. It's another expression of joy. And rejoice, Solomon said in Proverbs 15, 15, a cheerful heart has a continual feast. A cheerful heart, a continual feast. In other words, a continual party. A cheerful heart. You will rejoice. So what will happen, what will take place when you are able to effectively have joy take place of your worries and anxieties, then you will discover a joy, a rejoicing, a continual feasting will begin to take place. That's pretty good. In verse, verse 5, it says, let your gentleness be evident to all. You will relax. Relaxing's good at times. Relax. You know, just when you relax, your body regenerates. Your mind regenerates, your strength regenerates, vision regenerates, purpose comes back into place. When you don't have time to relax and you're always chasing something, then and worry has a tendency to keep you so preoccupied, you don't know how to relax. Relaxing. Let your gentleness, your gentleness. And verse 6, the peace of God will guard your thoughts and minds rest. You will have rest. You will truly be able to just chill out. Sleep better. You'll have recreation better. You have better time at recreation. You will be able to enjoy other people when they're with you instead of being preoccupied and worried. You ever been, you ever had struggled with this or been with those who you are wanting to enjoy your time together and yet there's an issue that seems to be predominant and they can't, you can't seem to enjoy each other because you're so busy worrying about something and you miss the whole time together because you're worrying about something. So, I want to draw your attention to those three. If you follow carefully the principle of replacing worry with joy, and it's more than just a mentality, I get that. It is a spiritual journey. Remember, it's big J over joy that gives us joy. It's Jesus. But it's, it's more than just tacking a name onto something. We're going to talk about how we can actually follow through. But you will have rejoicing, relaxing, resting. But I want to replace all the time lost with worry with Rejoicing, relaxing, and resting. Three simple exercises will help you to do this. Here we go. Number one, feed your mind 
positive thoughts. This is not positive profession. This is Philippians chapter 4, verse 8. Philippians chapter 4, verse 8 says this. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about, think about such things. Concentrate on such things. Did you notice, I call these my eight-point checklist. And did you notice in these eight points here, let's look at them again, verse 8. Whatever is true, whatever, note the words whatever and then what is mentioned, eight items. True, noble, right, pure, lovely, admirable, excellent, praiseworthy. There's not a negative one in the bunch. Not a negative one there. They're positive. That's why we can say with great conviction, think positively. Think positively. Think about such things. You say, well, the things that are true, the things that are right, are not giving me much joy. Because there's a lot of negativity around the things that are really happening. But let's couple that with when you take the things that are true, the things that are right, and put in the place, is there praiseworthiness to any of those? You could take some of the things, this might be true, but we can give praise. I was uh, uh, just reading uh, an old friend of mine, haven't connected in almost 40 years, but we've, uh, we are on Facebook together, and, and he was out riding his bike, his motorcycle, just uh, about a month ago, and he was in an accident, him in an SUV, and uh, uh, so he, he broke a bunch of ribs, a bunch of vertebrae, his index finger got all twisted, <laughs> busted up. Um, and, and he lost a lot of skin. Uh, but it was interesting. In the middle of what he was sharing, he was talking about the heroes in the midst of it. He, the one hero was his wife, who, who didn't just totally freak out and kill him. You know, sometimes you might survive the accident, but your spouse will kill you. Um, and but she didn't. Uh, he survived, and and she, of course she had to tend to him and and probably fight, saying, "I told you so." Uh, and then all these other people. And I, I discovered what was true, he was in an accident, he got really hurt. What was also true was he found a lot to give praise for. He found a lot to, he, he recognized what was lovely in the midst of his truth. He found what was admirable in the midst of his truth and excellent in the midst of that truth. I like this. Feed your mind on these things. Feed your mind on them. So what is not true? What are we exposing ourselves that's not true? That's not noble. That is not pure. You know, you've heard the old expression, garbage in, garbage out. What goes in, comes out. The food we eat, what we expose ourselves to, comes back out. And so this is feed yourself properly. Feed your mind, and the natural outcome will be, you'll have, you'll have joyful things. You'll be able to celebrate some things, these things that are mentioned here, what is pure, lovely, admirable, excellent. Number two, we find it in verse 9. So that was verse 8, Philippians 4, verse 9. First part, it says, whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put into practice. I want to highlight the part, heard from me or seen in me. Whatever you've heard or seen. From me, put into practice. Point number two here, how can you 
replace worry with joy? Focus your attention on encouraging models. There are not every, you know, not every model is a good model. Not everything you see, not everything you hear is good. And that includes the music, podcasts we listen to, the voices we listen to, the messages we listen to. Not everything is good. One of the challenges that colleagues and I, we talk about that we, we addressed that we didn't have to address even 20 years ago, that the average person in the congregation in which pastors preach have listened to multiplicity of preachers or speakers throughout the week. We are one in a plethora of speakers. Therefore, don't ever assume your voice is the predominant voice. And that can be good, that can be bad. If they are good speakers and they're supporting each other, you can just come back and say, I just heard the voice of God. Through all this, there was a common thread. I, I heard from His Spirit. But there can also be great confusion. I'm talking to somebody this past week, and they were so confused in the areas of their faith. And then I asked them, what are you listening to? And they, well, listen to this, this, this. And they had about four or five things that are taking them all over the planet, and it's bringing depression. Focus your attention on encouraging models. Who's the model? Who are you looking to? Who are you giving attention to? Well, know what Paul says, what you've heard and seen from me. What are you hearing and what are you watching? And those models will determine what comes out. Thirdly, the last part of verse 9, and the God of peace will be with you. Here's my third point. Find the God of peace in every circumstance because he's there. The God of peace has not abandoned you. The God of peace is present. He is present with you. So three exercises, feed your mind positive thoughts, verse 8. Feed, focus your attention on encouraging models, verse 9, and the God of peace in every circumstance, verse 9. I came across a story. Forty years of marriage, a woman's husband passed away. For several months, she struggled with living the life of a widow, and she became very depressed, very despondent, closed all her blinds, her shades, locked herself in, wasn't coming out for anything. She was really suffering. Her grief had taken her to a deep level of depression. After some time, uh, she knew that she can't continue to do this. This was destroying her. She needed to have some sort of relationship. She needed to have some sort of conversation with somebody somewhere, somehow. Needed to have good company. And so she remembered that her husband had a good friend and he owned a pet store. So she went by the pet store and she went in and she said, listen, I, she, the story... Because my husband had passed, I'm not coming out. I, I need a good companion. I, probably I need a good pet. Who do you suggest? And, well, they had dogs, and she didn't want a dog. They had cats, didn't want a cat. They had goldfish, not happy companions necessarily. So snakes, eh, well, don't ask my daughter. And so she didn't want any of them. And, and, and she says, I want, I want something I can talk to and that can talk back to me. And he says, I've got exactly it. i got a parrot. It is an expensive, rare parrot. And this parrot is a chatterbox. Everybody loves this parrot. When you come into the store, the parrot talks to you. It goes back and forth. It chatters all the time. It's an expensive bird. And she said, I'll buy it. So she brought the parrot, bought the parrot, took the parrot home, got the cage. Days went by, days went by, days went by. The parrot did not say a single word. She was starting to think something's wrong with the parrot. Something's wrong. Oh no, what is it? She began to worry about this. She went back to the pet store owner and said, the parrot is not talking. You said it was a chattering bird. And the pet store owner says, have, have you put a mirror in the cage? She hadn't. 
He said, well, the parrot likes to look at itself and it just feels more comfortable when it's looking at itself and it will start chatting up a conversation. So she went, she got the mirror, brought the mirror, put it in the cage and days went by and the parrot still did not speak a single word. She was worrying, what is wrong with this? And so she went back to the pet store again and she said, the parrot's not saying anything. He says, have you put a ladder in the cage? No, I've not got a ladder. So he sold her a ladder. She got a ladder, took the ladder home, put the ladder in the cage. Parrot would go up and down the ladder, but the parrot still would not say a single word. She was really fretting at this time, and she went back to the pet store owner and said, I've got a mirror, I've got a ladder. He says, well, have you got a swing? The bird looks at itself. The bird has exercised, but if the bird is able to swing, that's a, you know the bird is enjoying himself, and when he's having a good time, he'll start to talk to you. So she bought a swing, put the swing in, had the mirror, the swing, the ladder. The bird still said nothing. A week went by. She burst back into the pet owner's store with the cage. He said, has the bird started talking? She says, no, he's dead. She slapped it on the counter. The bird was there with his feet up. Pet owner was totally perplexed. He says, this is one of the chattiest birds I've ever had. I do not understand why the parrot would not talk to you. He said, did the parrot say anything? And she said, well, as a matter of fact, I think in his last few breaths, he said very faintly, don't they have any food down at that store? <laughs> there is no greater waste of our time, no greater deterrent to our joy than the stealer of joy, of worry that steals our joy. God wants to replace our worry and anxiety with joy. A question for you. How old would you be, Trish, how old would you be if you didn't know how old you are? So I want you to think, well, I actually do want you to come up with a number. It's not simply hypothetical. How old would you be if you didn't know how old you are? <laughs> Church is under conviction here. Um, an honest answer will depend on your attitude. And I have a number, uh, I, don't, I don't feel at liberty to give it, but um, Jesus himself said in Luke 12, 25, who of you by worrying can add a single hour to your life? Jesus said that. Who of you by worrying could put one more hour onto your life? So Paul brings the last part of this book, this epistle to the Philippians in chapter 4, he has four characteristics of a person who lives life with joy instead of worry. What does one look like when they live life with joy? Here they are. Number one, Philippians 4 verse 10. I rejoice greatly in the Lord that at last you renewed your concern for me. Indeed, you were concerned, but you had no opportunity to show it. Let me just quickly sum it up what he's saying here. He's talking about affirmation. He was affirming. What Paul is making reference here is he is talking here of he's writing them that they renewed their concern for him means they were sending him financial, financial contributions that were helping him live. And at moments and times where the finances couldn't get through, it wasn't because they hadn't tried, it was because the opportunity actually wasn't there. And so what Paul was basically saying, he says, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. You have done so much to help me. What was he doing? He was affirming them. You have been a blessing to me. You have been a blessing to me. 
I'm going to admit straight up, I'm not real strong at this one. I guess I kind of grew up with the model that, you know, um, if you're doing things right, you won't hear anything, and if you do something wrong, you hear about it. And that's kind of the model I grew up under, and I have to really fight to not do that myself. Look for ways to affirm. Look for ways to encourage and build up. Paul was speaking here, and, he, and this, is, this is the characteristic of somebody who lives in joy. They are quick to affirm others. Versus the flip on that. They're quick to affirm. Quick to encourage. Quick to pull up. He was affirming. Secondly, verse 11. I'm not saying this because I am in need, for I have learned to be content whatever the circumstances. Number two, a joyful person is a contented person. Paul was speaking how he, he was contented. He was contented. I mean, Paul had so much thrown at him in his lifetime and he was able to adapt and endure. He was absolutely 100% convinced that Christ was in the midst of every moment of every day, of every week, of every month, of every year of his life. Pouring enough power in for one more day. Enough for one more day. One more day. One more day. Contented. When we believe that, anything is bearable. Anything is bearable. Thirdly, verse 12, I know what it is to be in need. I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. This part right here, Paul was flexible. He was flexible. Uh, Lori, my wife, has this. She's added to the Beatitudes of Matthew chapter 5. All the Beatitudes, you know, blessed is, blessed is. She's added one. She's called it, blessed are the flexible, they shall not be broken. And she kind of conveniently added, now it's not in the Bible, but it's probably nonetheless true. Blessed are the flexible. You've got you to flex at times, right? Or you break, you snap. And Paul was saying, a joyful person is flexible. They bend with the moments. Flexible. And verse 13 I can do all things through him who gives me strength. A joyful person is a confident person. I can do. I can. I can do all things through him. Didn't say I just can do all things. I can't just, you know, work myself into doing more and doing more and doing more. I can do whatever faces me through Christ Jesus. Who strengthens me back to the verse before that because he causes me to be flexible to the verse before that because he gives me contentment to the verse before that he is my strength he is at my affirmation so let's summarize this three simple exercises to remove worry from your joy to put the j at the beginning of the instead of the ois here they are Feed your mind positive thoughts. Focus your attention on encouraging models. What are you listening to and what are you watching? Find the God of peace in every circumstance. So in every circumstance, where is God? Where is God? He's here. He's not absent. Where is he in this circumstance? And the four characters of the one who lives with joy, joy without worry, be affirming. This is what the call is. Be affirming, be contented, be flexible, be confident. 
And if we choose to do all this, I like how Paul brings it all home, verse 19. And my God will meet all your needs according to the riches of his glory in Christ Jesus. He will meet everything you face according to all his riches. Note that part. My God, Paul is saying, I testify to this. Now, Paul was going through a lot of trial. He was in jail at the time he's writing that. He's saying, I testify, my God is meeting all my needs. He's saying, my God is going to meet your needs. The same God who met my needs is the same God who's going to meet your needs. And how is he going to do that? Because he is rich in all things. He's rich in all things. He can do whatever he wants, anywhere he wants, anytime he wants, to anyone he wants. He is rich in all things. So my God will meet your needs out of his riches. Isn't that great? Isn't that great? I know some of us, that's our favorite verse. And it is a great verse to be based on the foundation of Philippians. The story of joy, what God has for us. Thanks for listening to the Aurora Cornerstone podcast. Remember to subscribe. For more information about our church and our ministries, visit auroracornerstone.ca.